In Malachi chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we will impoverished, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see and ye shall say the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priest that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us, this hath been by your means, will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts. Who is there, even among you, that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Turn with me, if you will, over into the third chapter and notice with me verses 16 and following. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. May God's word be 
blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit today, both in his reading and the declaration of the Word of God through preaching. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name to intervene in our behalf today. We ask you, Lord, especially to touch me physically. You know, uh, Lord Jesus, uh, my needs this day, and I pray that you will meet the needs of this people through me. We thank you for the privilege that's given us to represent the Lord Jesus in the declaration of his word. And I ask you now, Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts and get honor and glory and praise to yourself. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. It's interesting that as we turn the pages of the book of Malachi, we find that Malachi's day was a day of apostasy. Yet God had a remnant. We saw how the apostasy was manifest in the first part of chapter 1. But we'll also see that uh, God had a remnant of people. I often say from this pulpit, it's my prayer that we will be sure that we're the remnant of God. God has never been at any time without a people. Uh, what's blessed about the thing is we can travel all over the world and go to different places. And when we go to those different places, we find God's people. And what a blessing it is that that's a result of the Great Commission and the preaching of the gospel and taking it to the ends of the world. But today, as we begin a series of studies on Malachi, I want to remind you that Malachi was a contemporary with Ezra and Nehemiah. As you study the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, you're fully aware of the fact that uh, these books had to do with the return of Israel back to their land and the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the walls around the city of Jerusalem. They were taken off into Babylonian captivity because of their sin. They were there for a period of time of 70 years. And it's interesting to note that uh, when they started back, they first went with a group uh, with Ezra, the priest, to uh, rebuild the temple. However, there was difficulty in rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem because of the fact that there was uh, no walls around the city to keep the enemy from overthrowing them. And it's interesting that when they went back with the second group uh, with Nehemiah, uh, they went back to rebuild the walls around the city. And the Bible tells us that they built their homes in the wall. It's interesting that the wall was as strong uh, as their home was strong. There's a message in that for us. Peachtree Baptist Church will be forever as strong as her homes are strong. When we have weak homes, we will have again uh, a weak ministry because the enemy will attack 
individual homes. And let me remind you that if sin comes into the church, it'll come through somebody's home. If righteousness comes into the church, it's going to come through somebody's home. And what a blessing it is for us to understand that Ezra and Nehemiah and Malachi were contemporaries, but Malachi had two contemporaries too that prophesied. And uh, the Bible tells us that those that prophesied at that same time was Habakkuk and also uh, we saw the message of Zechariah. So these all were prophesying and preaching and teaching at the same time with the one goal, and that's restore Israel back to the land of uh, Israel where they had been driven out because of their sin. Let me simply say to you that Israel was divided after Solomon. Uh, reign, and the Bible tells us that it was divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, of course, was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Uh, Judah is made up of two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. The northern kingdoms, the other ten tribes, were called Israel, and uh, the kings there in the northern kingdom established golden calves in the land so that they would keep the people from going back to Jerusalem to worship. Let me share this with you, that uh, God gave revival to the southern kingdom uh, several times in stirrings of God, and uh, we are rejoicing in the fact that uh, we evidence that the reason God sent revival was because they were faithful to worship in Jerusalem. Let me share with you that though they got out of the will of God, and we'll see it in this return back, they first came back, They, you remember in the book, book of Nehemiah in the 8th chapter, they restored the word of God among the people. They dedicated the temple and the walls were in place, and Israel was now able to worship like she's supposed to. Now, the northern kingdom had been taken off 120 years before the southern kingdom, but then the southern kingdom was taken away as well, and they all ended up in Babylonian captivity. Now, God has released them, and the sovereign grace of God brought them back into the land. And it appears in Nehemiah chapter 8, they had a stirring of God because there was preaching of the word of God again. Uh, they had to re-instruct that generation that had died off as children because when they came back into the land, they had to be re-instructed in the law of God and even taught the language of the Hebrews. They had gotten away from God. They'd been under the judgment of God, but now they're on their way back in. So Nehemiah finishes his task. He turns his responsibilities over to his brother to be the governor there. And what was so interesting about the whole thing is, is that uh, 
while he's away, the group that has been restored began to apostatize. Do you know we have a tendency to keep going away from God? We have a tendency of not being faithful to God even when God does for us. I thought it was an interesting thing. Warren Wearsby made this statement. He said that a church member scolded her pastor for preaching a series of sermons on the sins of the saints. And after all, uh, the sins of the saints are different from the sins of their people. And uh, then in turn, the pastor says, yes, I agree with you, they're worse. Because we sin against light. We sin against the grace of God and the mercies of God. So when believers sin, they not only break the law of God, but they break the heart of God. How God would have us to understand that Malachi is a prophet that will be the last one to speak in the Old Testament economy. And what amazing thing is, uh, uh, it was Brother Paul Washer that made the statement, God was so mad with Israel, he didn't speak to him for 400 years. At the end of the book of Malachi, we have what's known as the 400 silent years. During that 400 silent years, we have the time when uh, God did not speak to Israel. There is no more books of the Old Testament. We certainly don't hold to any of the books, uh, the, the writings in between. So those silent years of 400 years left with a message of Malachi and with the beginning of the message of John the Baptist. When he came out of the wilderness preaching, John the Baptist was calling for repentance. Now what's interesting in this is that I worship God over every time I study it, is that when... Uh, Malachi ended, he had a remnant in chapter 3 in verses 16 to 18. There was a remnant of God that thought off upon the name of the Lord. The Bible said that that remnant of God had uh, a desire to assemble together with the others that believed God. I believe saved people want to be with saved people. And I believe that God has honored it in giving us as a people, a day of worship. And the church worships on the Lord's Day, Sunday, and it was moved from the Old Testament Sabbath day of Saturday. Why? Because the Lord Jesus was resurrected on the Lord's Day, Sunday. And what a glorious thing it is. We worship a resurrected Lord Jesus. But let me go on and say to you, that uh, that remnant of God that was found in Malachi, when we get to the end of that book, they say there's just a remnant left. But after 400 years of silence, here comes a John the Baptist, a part of the remnant. 
Let me go a step further and point out to you, there was Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth. You say, Pastor David, what are you saying? Uh, and Zechariah, the high priest, you say, Pastor David, what are you saying to us? Jesus said, coming into the New Testament, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to tell you that we are living in more precarious times than we ever have in America. But I promise you, the Word of God teaches us that Jesus Christ will always, until he comes and gathers them unto himself, a remnant of God, true saints of God, people that have been born again by the grace of God and wholly follow after God. I, I go on to point out to you that the purpose of the prophet in any setting is not to patch up things, but to set things right. When God comes on the scene and sends a messenger to the people of God, his purpose is to bring them into a right relationship with himself. I thought it was interesting, again, another thing, that the activities of the chapters of Malachi that would be under the heading of apostasy are prevalent in our day. Let it be clear. We are not a shining example as a church across the land in America today. A lot of apostasy is said in. What in the world is apostasy? People that are carrying on religious activity but have fallen away from the faith. Let me share with you, they were never saved. Uh, you say, how could that be? Well, you have a Judas Iscariot to illustrate it. Judas Iscariot was never a believer. The Bible tells us that he was of the devil, and the Bible tells us that when he died, he died without hope. Let me say to you, you need more than religion. You need more than mama and daddy's Christianity that you're consenting to because you feel like you have to rather than you want to. May it be clear that Malachi gives us a message of warning. Amen. And the message is that we are to be sure that we are the remnant of God and that we are a part of those that fear him and that hearken unto him, and those that will bring themselves together in worship of him. They speak off one with another about the Lord. Pure Christianity has nothing else to speak of. Pure Christianity speaks about the Lord. Pure Christianity, people talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought it was interesting Last night I was standing in the in the uh, line there to light up a Sonoya, and uh, what was so blessed was, of course, I don't know that I I knew this until last night, but all of those churches knew who I was. It beat all I ever seen. They came up to me and addressed me and and uh, asked me about the church and those kinds of things, and uh, I thought. They're talking to me about the Lord, and that's good. But 
I did find some people that were interested to listen to me about the Lord. As I stood on each side of couples, and they had beautiful children, and and I had an inroad there too, Pastor Allen. Some of them had their children in the charter school. So I said to them as I was talking to them that uh, the Lord has made a change in my life and worked in my life, and I want it, I want it in your life. And if you're not saved, that you'll come to know Jesus Christ. Well, let me just say this to you. I believe that it's important that uh, we not only be known as a church, and uh, one of the ladies was standing in the line after I'd introduced myself to her and witnessed to her and, and was having a good time with her children. She looked up at me and she said, there comes your float. I said, amen, that's us. <laughs> I was taking pictures. And this is what's so interesting about the whole thing. While I was there, I wondered, do they know more about the church than they do Jesus Christ? May God have mercy upon us as a church and a people. If not every day, our goal is to glorify Jesus Christ. Now, looking back to this uh, book, uh, this book has some key words in it. You know that as well as I do. Uh, those of you who have studied the book of Malachi know that there was a dialogue going on constantly between God and his people. That, was, of course, was through the prophet. But they seek to defend themselves. God charges them with sin. And they say, wherein have we sinned? Do you know the worst sin of all sin is not acknowledging that you are a sinner? The worst sin of all sins is not recognizing that we're what we are by the grace of God if we have Christ in our heart. It is a gift from God. It's not something we've earned. Let it be clearly understood when we look at the book of Malachi over and over, they'll ask the question, wherein have we sinned? And so God goes into dialogue pointing out all the ways that he has forgiven them and loved them. You know, we're quick to forget. They had just been a few years earlier in the end of the 70-year captivity they were in. We're prone to wonder. The hymn writer said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Let me plead with you to understand the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, it says. Uh, I find it interesting. His name Malachi means my messenger. And then it's interesting that he refers to the message as a burden. Do you know what we have today? A generation of preachers with no burden. We have a generation of preachers that don't have a message. It's not that we go in as individuals and as we go in, we try to encourage everybody every service. Sometimes we need our sin pointed out to us. 
Sometimes we need somebody to say, we need to examine our hearts and see if we're right with God and understand that God said, if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. What a blessed thought that we have in the teaching of the book of Malachi that God will sustain his work. God is always going to have a remnant. And we must make a choice. Are we going to be a part of the remnant of God? Or are we going to do our own thing? God help us to understand that Malachi was a contemporary with men that were also crying out for righteousness and communion and fellowship with God. Now notice, if you will, the Bible says in verse 2, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? One of the saddest things that can ever come into your life or mine is for us to get bitter at God. God gave Israel more than she deserved. Can I hear an amen? God has given to the church of the living God more than we deserve. But what we are, we are by the grace of God. And we need to rehearse and have God to rehearse in our hearts concerning how he has loved us. Mm. Mm. So ready to forget so to be far away from understanding the goodness of God in our lives. Notice, if you will, verses 6 and 7. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Wherein have we despised thee was the response. Let me just say to you that we as individuals must understand that they were not recognizing his sovereignty. They were not recognizing his recognizing them as a particular people chosen by God. Oh, glorious day when we come to the truth and are renewed in our minds that we have been Blessed of God with a special work of grace in us. Why us? Why did God save you? Was there anything in you that caused God to want to choose you? You and I know that we are again, as I've already stated, what we are by the grace of God. They were questioning the love of God. But then they were questioning his right to rule them. And I'm going to deal with this. He said, he said, a servant has a master and a son has a father. And he says, you have despised my name. Look, if you will, in verse 7. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. I hope church at Peachtree Baptist Church never becomes contemptible. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? We should have 
a great exaltation of the cross of Jesus Christ in every service. The cross of Calvary is the reason you and I are redeemed. It's not anything that we do, it's what he hath done for us. And let us glorify the Lamb of God, and may we never pollute the altar of God. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? We pollute the worship of God when we bring in the lame sheep and the blind lambs and those that no one else would even have, not even the governor. And the word said they made the worship of God contemptible. Let me plead with you to look also at verses 12 and 13. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it. And that word snuffed means you have killed it. It's died, just like you snuff out a candle saith the Lord of hosts, and you brought that which was torn and lame and sick, thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hands, saith the Lord. And here's what God says about it. But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing, for I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Now we're looking at the last book of the Bible, the Old Testament Bible. And what's getting ready to happen is God's getting ready to turn his attention to the Gentiles. The word Gentile literally means heathen. Let me just say that aren't we a grateful people that... God saved us. All of us have backgrounds of heathenism. And all of us have a background of going away from God. But he will declare himself to be a great king among that people. I don't know if you'll have this or not, but the blessing of my own heart is that I have learned that I have a king, and his name is Jesus He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and all that he does is perfect. And when he sets his everlasting love upon a people, that means it's an everlasting love. God set his everlasting love upon Israel. What a blessed thing to understand that God uh, said to them, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I know people that think God's quit loving Israel. But let it be clearly understood, it is an everlasting love from a God that does everlasting things. In chapter 3, notice verse 7 and 8, the Bible says in verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Aren't you glad of the immutability of our God. He has kept Israel 
and he is keeping his church. Look at verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein have we to return? Or wherein shall we return? Do you know, it's a bad thing if you come to the house of God, and all you can say is, I'm right with God all the time, and you're living in the world and according to the course of this world. I want to say this to you, and I don't mean it unkind. I'm just giving you the truth. But if you are never wrong, you've always doing okay. You're just coasting along, come to church, tipping God a little here, tipping God a little there. But you have no fervent passion for the gospel. No fervent passion for the word of God and the things of God. Then there's a question. There's a real question. God, help us. I taught last Wednesday night on the church of uh, Laodicea. And uh, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said, If any man will open, I'll come into him, and he, I will sup with him and he with me. Let me just say this to you. He didn't say, If the whole church of Laodicea will open the door, I'll come in. He said, One. If a man... God said on one occasion in Ezekiel, I sought for a man among them to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. The question this morning is, will you be the man or the woman that says, Lord, come in, into my own heart, come into my own church. Lord, commune with me that I might commune with you. Let me hasten to point out to you, verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And God replies, In tithes and offerings. And then he says, Ye are cursed with a curse. You know, if you, you violate the principles of the word of God, it puts you to the disadvantage. You're under a curse. We walk in faith knowing that we're saved by the grace of God, and we are what we are by the grace of God. But we can position ourselves under the blessing of God if we would choose to do righteously, whether it be tithing, whether it be church attendance, whether it be anything else. Hasten with me to look at verse 13. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say... What have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, look at this, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinances and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy, yea, they that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Let me just say this to you. We can self-justify ourselves in all places of life and ministry, all kinds of them. 
And we can question God. Where in God have we sinned? Where in God have we failed you? Let me share this with you. God knows your heart. He is God that changeth not. He's same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me plead with you. This is the day that we need to settle things in our hearts and our minds if we're here today and we're not totally committed to Jesus Christ. Now is the time. He said, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Let me plead with you. If you're here lost without Jesus Christ, the only hope that you have is to be born again. And uh, you say, how does that come about? By a work of regenerating grace. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the mercies of God to you today that you're able to hear the word of God preached. And I, I give God glory. I pray that God bringeth repentance to your heart. Because it's not good to just be, you know, peripheral and I'll come in when I want to and out when I want to. There is a commitment to Jesus Christ that will make the difference and it will put you under the blessings of God. Now, I don't have time to give it this morning, but what a blessing it is to understand that the last chapter of Malachi told them, said there's coming a, there's coming a prophet, another Elijah, His name, as we know him, was John the Baptist. And what would he do? He would be a part of that remnant that would uh, be instrumental in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. Let me share this with you. We can be instruments in the hand of God to carry the message of Jesus Christ. But if we or questioning whether uh, God has really got the right to rule my life, or if we're questioning in the way that we conduct ourselves among the others that are believers, let me plead with you. Quit making excuses. Some of your parents have taught you better than you're doing. And I'm not talking about just children. I'm talking about some of us old heads. Amen. Now's the time. If you're not saved, turn from your wicked ways. Beg God to save you. If God is digging in your heart and it's convicting, that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. All it takes for a man to go to hell is God leave him alone. But if he's not leaving you alone, that is a plus plus. Can I hear an amen? And then those of us that are saved, let's do everything we can to recognize how serious our sins are and draw nigh to God. I love you, church. Let's all stand.